Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. family. Everybody looks refreshed, extra pep in your step today on the way in. And man, uh, it's good to be back with you guys. If y'all got your Bibles, head over to 1 John 3. 1 John 3, 16 is we're going to be starting today. And um, hey, I got to be really honest. Um, I learned about something in the last couple weeks that like every now and then I'll hear something that is so deeply humbling that I, I really don't know how to communicate it. And I want, I want to share this with you guys. It's something we need to celebrate. You know, if you're in the room that I'm in right now or you're joining in with us at one of our seven locations, you know, a lot of times you will forget that what's happening in your midst is actually going out to 20, 30,000 people through Lake Point Church Online every week. And um, recently we found out, you know, this is, it, it goes out to, you know, 20, 30 different countries and, you know, people from all over the world. Well, um, recently we became aware of something that, you know, we really need to celebrate. Now, let me show you this picture and and let me explain it. Um, This picture that you're looking at right here, this is a picture of 30 to 40 um, Pakistani Christians that join in with Lake Point Church Online um, every single week on the border of Pakistan and Afghanistan. Um, This is, yeah, yeah, this is really, really cool. And so uh, what you're looking at here, there's a reason that you can't see their faces. We, we were asked not to show any pictures that, that showed faces because they're right there on the Pakistan-Afghanistan border. And these are brothers and sisters who are like, for them following Jesus is a decision that comes with a cost. But every week they gather in this room and you're seeing them all kind of huddled up here. Um, at the front of the room, there is one 32-inch TV that they are all straining to look at so that they can join in with Lake Point Church Online and hear Bible teaching. They do it every week. And then afterwards, they study the scriptures together. There, there is actually, we got sent a picture of this, but we couldn't show the picture. Is that the pastor that organizes this little house church movement, um, after they do that, they've actually had influence and we have pictures of them sharing Bibles with the wives of Taliban members. And so like, can I, can I just say this? Like one, I wanna say something to the camera because we, we know that they're gonna be joining in with us this week is one, um, to the pastor that leads that and to the Pakistani Christians that are joining in with us, I want you to know you are watching us with, with your physical eyes. I want you to know that we are watching you as a great cloud of witnesses. Thank you for your witness to us and you're incredible. That's right, man. We love you. We are with you. And uh, man, it's an honor to be part of a church family with you. And so, hey, Lake One fan, just want you to know, um, with some of our missions dollars, we are shipping them a big projector so they don't got to stare at a 32-inch TV. It's going to be awesome, man. It's going to be great. All right, here we go. Now, listen, man. Uh, if they can do it, you can do it. Let's get into the word together. First John 3, we are in the middle of a series, and I'm going to show you something to make a visual point. The title of the series is, Boom, Try Love. 
That's the title of the series, Try Love. I wanted to make this like visually overwhelming to emphasize a point. And here's why I titled this series this, Try Love, because essentially that's the answer to every question you have when you approach the Bible. The Bible's answer to your question is probably, now it's more than this, but the essence of it is gonna be like, hey, try love, okay? Let me give you a couple examples so that I can decomplicate Christianity for a lot of you, all right? So somebody asked Jesus one time, they're like, hey, Jesus, um, what does God command? What's the most important stuff that God commands? And Jesus was like, actually, bro, that's easy. He didn't say, bro, that's a Josh Standard version. He said, uh, he said hey, actually, that's easy. He said, hey, try love. First greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second commandment's like it, love your neighbor as yourself, try love. What about this question? Hey, Jesus, how should I relate to lost people in my life? Should I distance myself from them? Should I argue with them? What should I do, Jesus? Well, actually, how about this? Try love. That's what God did. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him will never perish but will have, have eternal life. Try love. Uh, what about this one? Um, Jesus. Uh, God, t tell me, how should I relate to people I don't like? <laughs> you know, people that feel like enemies. Should I set, set, you know, should I set some boundaries? Should I power up? What, what, what should I, what, what, it gets real complicated. Actually, Jesus just said, this is real easy. Try love. He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Just try love. What about this one? Hey, you're a Christian who, newsflash, all of us are in this category. You still struggle with sin. Welcome to the family, all right? You're like, hey, bro, I messed up again for the 10,000th time. How does God feel about me right now? Is he angry with me? Is he frustrated with me? Is he honestly kind of disgusted with me for messing up again? How about this? Try love. Actually, what the Bible says is it says this, man, see See what kind of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Now, what about this question? Hey, Josh, what's God like? Now, what's he like in his very essence? In his very essence, is he wrathful? Is he holy? Is he real, like spiritual? Real? You know, what's God like? Well, actually, how about this? Try love. The Bible says, what's God like? It just says this, very simple. God is love. Now, what about this? Hey, Josh, I'm a new Christian trying to follow Jesus. I'm having trouble obeying all the rules. There's a lot of them. It's real complicated. I'm actually finding out I don't want to obey some of them, but I know I should. What should I do? Should I like discipline myself? Should I scold myself every time I screw up? Bad Christian, bad Christian, bad. Do better. No, how about this? Try love. You remember what Jesus said one time? He just said it like this. He said, hey, listen, man, it's gonna be okay. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. In other words, just like this, can I just say something to you? Man, if you're looking at Christianity right now and you're like, man, it just feels so like hard and complicated. There's so many rules. I don't know what, if I'll, can I just say this? Stop thinking about the rules for a second. Just fall in love with Jesus and everything else will fall into place. Try love. Like just try love and it's gonna be okay. Now, here's what we're doing today. Each week of the series, we're looking at a category. And this week we're answering the question, how, and this, this is so deeply important, I want you to walk out of this sermon understanding the heart of God and embodying the heart of God. Here's a question. How should we treat the least, the lost, the last, and the lonely? The needy, the least, the lost, the last, and the lonely. Well, how about this? We're gonna try love. That's what we're gonna do. Now, we're gonna give a little more flesh to it. Now, now I need to do this before I get to the passage. We're gonna use the word love. 
Here's my problem when I just say try love. My problem as a 21st century American preacher is that our world is obsessed with love, but nobody knows what the heck love is. That's my problem. And listen, it's not just them out there, it's us in here. Watch what we'll do. We will use the same word three different ways. You'll say, uh, I love tacos, I love the cowboys, I love Jesus, I love my wife. That's four, not three, okay? I'll stick to preaching. Now, but we'll use all those words, the same word in those different ways. Like, bro, we need to calibrate the intensity of this word. Uh, you look outside our, our, our walls, and man, the people who seem to talk about love the most seem to understand it the least. Who is constantly just churning movies and stories about love? It's Hollywood, man. Talk about it all the time. But if you zoom in and look at the relationships, it doesn't seem like anybody over there has any idea what love actually is like. Now, now it's not, not just us, not just Hollywood. Think about, I want you to think about this. I almost did this like a long list of Think about the song lyrics, just the song lyrics. It's an endless churn of songs about love. Whitney Houston sang, I-E-I will always love you. And then she promptly got a divorce, okay? Uh, The Beatles said, all you need is love, and then they broke up. That happened real fast. Uh, Every time Taylor Swift, we got any Swifties in the house? Any Swift, okay? No, okay, the student section was over here last night. They were super excited. (laughs) Let me say this. Every time Taylor Swift has a breakup, we get a 20-track release. I mean, like, bro, it's like, this is extra, all right? Uh, childhood favorite, it was in all the movies. What was the song? You guys know the lyrics. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough, baby, to keep me from getting to you. Now, I hear that song. I'm like, bro, you don't need a girl. You need a restraining order. That's what you need. Like, uh, something's like, something's off. So it's like, man, our problem is the world is obsessed with love. Nobody knows what it is. Good news God has defined love for us. Check this out. 1 John 3, 16, it just says this. It says, and this, this right here is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. It's gone, that's love. You want a definition? That's it right there. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Now, let me like riff on this passage for a second here. This is really important. Now, I need to start here because I don't, Let me just get right at it. You need to understand, no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are currently spiritually, God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He is desperate. He he wants and he is desirous of a relationship with you. And here's a problem. I gotta start with bad news because the good news doesn't sound good until you understand that the bad news is bad. So here's the problem. My problem is in our, our entire culture is committed to convincing you that you are awesome. You're a rainbow, you're a snowflake, you're a unicorn wrapped in a Skittle. Everything's awesome all the time. You poop ice cream. Everything's great, man. And so it's like, man, everybody is telling you all the time, you're good enough. You're smart enough and doggone it, people like you. And really the only thing wrong with you is everything, every now and then you're a good person, just every now and then you make mistakes. I got really bad news, man. That's not true because those mistakes aren't just mistakes that sometimes kind of hurt your life. They're actually sins, cosmic treason against a holy, eternal, perfect, and sovereign God. And so like, you just need to understand that, man, you are not a mistaker in need of a life coach. You are a sinner, a sinner in need of a savior. That's what the word says. Now, I got really good news for you is the good news is God, you're, that's who you are. 
But God doesn't wait for you to like clean your act up, get more moral, become more religious, get more spiritual before he loves you. He loves you now. The Bible says this, that God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So he like, he's not waiting for you to get your stuff together, man. He loves you like right now in all your jacked upness. Like right now is how God loves you. Now listen, God doesn't love you because you become lovely. He loves you because he is love. He loves you because he is loving. And what the Bible says is he loved you so much. I like to say it like this, that he, he loved you to death. He loved you so much that he came here as a person, put on skin, died on a cross and took the penalty for your sin. He didn't just die for you. The Bible says he loved you so much, he died instead of you. So when Jesus went to the cross, you gotta get this, man. You don't get this, you don't get anything. What was happening is sometimes people will say this. They'll say, Josh, I can't believe in a God that would send people to hell. And like, bro, like, that's not it, man. Like God does, the Bible says, God is willing that none should perish, but that all should come to a knowledge of the truth. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. So like, in fact, My God is a God that does everything in his power to keep you from going to hell. So much that he came and died on a cross for your sins so that he's like, man, if you're gonna go to hell, you gotta step over my dead body to get there. So like God has done this, that's how much he loves you. And then uh, there's a, so that's the truth. Now listen, there's a response, revelation response. What the Bible says is this, it says God loved, let me just quote it, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would never perish but, but would have eternal life. So like, get this, God loved so he gave and if you believe, you will receive eternal life. So w- when this passage says this, it goes, hey, this This is how we know love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's what I just gave you. The news, the unfolding of God's love for humanity in the good news of the gospel, in the death and resurrection of the person of Jesus, that is love. Now, let me get to the back half of this verse. It says, if that first half is true, watch this. If the first half is true, It says that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Now, here's what it's driving at. You guys hear me talk all the time about the necessity of a personal relationship with Jesus. Like, get this, man. You gotta have a personal relationship with Jesus. Like, you can't inherit faith. It's not like, well, man, my grandma and my grandpa, they were like deacons in the church. They were were a Christian family. I'm a Christian. God doesn't have grandchildren. That's it, man. You got to be a born again child of the living God. It's not a category. It's not, oh man, you know, I was signing up for school or I was taking a census and it got to religion. I'm like, well, you know, I'm not an atheist and I'm, I'm not a Muslim. So like, I'm gonna go Christian. No, 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 not a category. You need a personal relation. It's not an activity. Well, I do all this Christian stuff and that makes me like, Josh, I go to church. Okay, man, sticking your head in the microwave doesn't make you a hot pocket. Man, it's like, listen, your activity does not lead to your identity. It's an identity that leads to an activity. You gotta have a personal relationship with you. Everyone everywhere will have to personally answer the question that Pilate asked the crowd. What will you do with this man called Jesus? Everybody has to answer that question for themselves. But watch this. It's a personal relationship, but it is never private. It's personal but it doesn't stay individual. If God loved you like that, 
then it results in you loving other people in the same way, all right? You cannot have a vertical relationship with God without it affecting your horizontal relationships with people. That's what this, this verse is saying. Let me give an example of this. I got a, a pastor friend out in North Carolina. Guy in his church had a, there was a girl, his, his six-year-old daughter, she walked in the living room one night and she's like, dad, you know, like, I'm interested. I, I think it's time for me to like accept Jesus. And so the dad, you know, prays with her and he like, the, the, he kinda, the best language he had and he led his six-year-old daughter in a prayer to, quote, accept Jesus into her heart. And so, you know, they, they get finished. She's all excited to walk out of the room. Well, then the girl comes back later, and she comes back. She's like, Dad, like, how tall was Jesus? And the dad was like, well, you know, I mean, he was a fully grown adult male, died at 33, but they were shorter back then. You know, maybe he was like 5'8". She's like, okay. She walks out of the room. But she comes back later, and she's like, hey, Dad, um, but what, how tall am I? And dad's like, well, you know, you're like a little under four feet tall. We're going to go three, six. You know, she walks out of the room again. Well, she comes back. She goes, hey, dad, I don't understand. If Jesus was five, eight and I'm three foot six and he lives inside of me, wouldn't he just like poke out everywhere? Okay. Now, now listen, we laugh, but there's a kind of extremely profound truth in what that girl said. Man, if Jesus, if the love of God has come to dwell inside of us, if the enormous eternal love of God dwells in tiny little you, it's gonna start poking out everywhere. If Jesus has laid down his life for us, what that's gonna result in is we will lay down our lives for other people. Now listen, let me be honest. Here's what lay down your life means. It means anything. Man, some of you listen, there may be somebody within the hearing of my voice, somebody in, in a, a church in Pakistan and church online. That what that may mean for you is that you take a bullet. It may mean that someday you are willing to be fired from your job for your convictions in following Jesus. It may mean, it may mean the loss of some things really important in your life. It may mean you move to Iran to tell people about the good news of Christ. But listen, let me be real honest. Honestly, for most of you, it's not gonna be that. Here's what it will mean for every single person. It will mean that we lay down some things in our life that we don't need so that people who don't have what they do need can have what they need. That's what this means. Now, check this out because John actually, he just, he, he teases out. He's like, here's what that's gonna look like. Look at verse 17. He says this, if anybody, you say it with me, if anybody what? If anybody has the world's goods, if anybody has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, he says, bro, how does the love of God abide in him? Now, I'm gonna give you good news. And when I say it, I learned last night, it's not gonna feel like good news. So I'm, let me give you good news, all right? Let me give you good news. It's not gonna sound like good news. You have the world's goods. If you, are this, there's one person over here, that's, like, that's good news, man. That's great. Okay, that you have the world's goods. If you are within hearing of my voice today, especially if you're at one of our seven locations, let me just tell you, man, like, Odds are really, 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 really good that you have the world's goods. In fact, let me just say this. You're probably rich. Like almost every single person, you're probably rich. Now, you hear that and you're like, what? I'm not rich. Now, here's what I found. Nobody feels rich, but rich is not a feeling. Rich is a reality. Here's a reality, okay? A couple of years ago, everybody's all upset about the one percenters, these evil one percenters. Can I just tell you something? If you have a combined household income of $45,000, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. Combined household income, $45,000. Anybody wanna like raise your hand and yell and shout if you would feel rich if you had $45,000 in combined household income? 
That's what I thought was going to happen. I thought that right there was going to happen. Okay, so listen, man, we don't feel rich, but the reality is we are rich. Like, let me just, okay, I want to make a point, and don't freak out on me, because listen, let me just tell you something. Um, Rich people, they do some weird things. Now, I know none of you would do any of these things because I just learned none of you are rich, okay? So let me just explain this. The rich people, they do the weird thing. They do this weird thing called upgrade, okay? It's a real weird thing. Now, I know none of you do any of these things. Here's what rich people, they will drive on to a car dealership lot in a working car. They will leave their working car at the lot and pay a whole bunch of money for a different working car that does the same thing as the car they left there. I know it's insane. I know none of you do that, but weird rich people do do those weird things. I'll give you another one. Uh, rich people, they do this weird thing. It's called, I know it's weird, it's called remodel. So what they do is that these rich people, they'll have a kitchen and in the kitchen, think about this, is countertops, refrigerator, microwave, oven. They'll rip it all out and then they'll replace it with countertops, a refrigerator, a microwave, and an oven. I know, it's insane, okay? Let, let, me, let, me, do it. let me do a couple more. Um, rich people that do this, um, they'll, uh, I, I'm, by the way, I, I might have my own problem. They'll go to the mall. This happens once every two years. All the rich people, they flock to the mall, all of them at the same time, and they stand in line at the Apple store, and their friend will text them, like, Bro, hey, man, what are you doing? And rich people will text their friends standing in line to buy an iPhone. And they do it from their working iPhone. I know, it's insane. Now, last one, and y'all are gonna help me do this one, okay? In fact, you're gonna help me finish it. Now, let me step on some toes because the ladies do this more than the dudes, okay? So like, just check. The rich people, here's what they do, is they'll stand in front of a closet full of clothes. Okay, now first I want you to think about this. So rich people, they don't just have a house. They have a whole other house and bedroom just for their clothes. They'll stand in front of a closet full of clothes and they'll say this, you help me finish the sentence. I don't have anything to wear. That's right, great job. Now I know none of you are rich, obviously, none of you, okay? But can we be real honest, man? You don't, listen, you're rich. You're rich, world speaking. And listen to me, there is nothing wrong with that. Can I just say there's nothing wrong with that? In fact, can I just show you the commands? The Bible actually gives some surprising commands. It says what you wouldn't think it would say to people who have the world's goods. Check this out. It's in 1 Timothy. It says this, command those who are rich in this present world. Now, some of you grew up in what I call guilt complex Christianity. Guilt complex Christianity is where whoever has the biggest guilt complex is the best Christian. So some of you grew up where it's like, the person that was the best Christian was the person who felt the most guilty for having like anything more than like impoverished Haitians. So, so you, you might think, man, what it's gonna say is command those who are rich in the present world to sell everything uh, that they have and give it all away or to walk around feeling really, really guilty and you know, it's just never, never do anything fun. And you know, it doesn't say that. Actually, here's what it says. Watch this. It says, not to be arrogant. In other words, your net worth is not your self-worth. And just because you have more than somebody doesn't mean you're worth more than somebody. And just because your stuff is better than somebody else's doesn't mean you should be treated better than somebody else. So it says this, command them not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. It's like, bro, are you crazy? Man, here's why I don't put your hope in wealth, because it's so uncertain. Anybody invest in real estate in 2008? Anybody invest in Bitcoin in 2021? (laughs) 
Anybody put their money in money before the government printed six trillion more dollars? You know, hashtag inflation. You know, it's like, hey, wealth is uncertain. It's uncertain, but watch this. But to put their hope in God, that's where your hope should be, who richly provides us with everything. And then watch this. What's it? You say it out loud. With everything for our enjoyment. So the Bible's going, hey, here, listen, you don't gotta sell it all, give it all away. That's not what I'm saying. Actually, God sometimes gives you blessings because he's a good dad and he loves to give good gifts to his kids. And he's like, enjoy it, man. Like, I love you, go enjoy it. But that's not the only reason that I gave you blessings. And yes, enjoy it, but don't spend all of it just on you. Watch what it says next. It says, command them to do good to be rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share because in this way, they'll lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, do you know what it means when it says life that is truly life? Yeah, this is really interesting. What our culture thinks is we think there's a connection between having more and happiness. This is really interesting, a whole different sermon. I don't have time right now. Studies show there is absolutely no correlation between how much you have and your happiness. Actually, there's a certain wealth point where actually your happiness begins to decrease. Here's what's interesting. Do you know what every single study everywhere shows? There's a connection between how much you give and how happy you are. You see, it's going, hey, I want you to have the life that's really life. It's almost as if Jesus' words were true. It really is better to give than to receive. Now check this out. This is what it's saying here. Now, let me, let me just kind of, this is where everybody kind of, their, their toes curl and like, preacher, you're stepping on my toes. And it's like, hey, you and God, you need to get out of my business. Don't tell me what to do with my stuff. Can I just like gently lean in? Actually, not so gently. I'm gonna aggressively lean in, okay? So let me just gently lean in. Here's what happens to us. Let me just say, it's not your stuff. That's what it is. It's like, not, it's not your stuff. Okay, so, so here's what I mean. Sometimes we get so used to having all the stuff that God entrusted us with that we forget it came from him and we treat it like our stuff and then we start looking like fools. Now, here's what I mean. I'll give an example. I've shared this, okay? This happens in my house with my kids. So every now and then, I gotta remind my kids of reality. It's real important. So every now and then, I'll be like, hey kids, um, need y'all to go upstairs. Can y'all clean up the upstairs uh, playroom. I'm like, oh, dad, what are we gonna clean up? You know, it's our stuff. And I'll be like, oh, hey, quick clarification. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, you, you don't have any stuff. <laughs> see, see, I need you to understand this. We have stuff and every now and then we use some of our stuff to buy stuff that we let you play with, but it's our stuff. You don't have any stuff. Like, oh, dad, what are you talking about, man? Uh, you know, but, but I bought it with my money. Oh, quick clarification. Uh, you don't have any money. You see, me and mom, we do all the work in this house. You, you actually don't do any of the work in this house. We do all the work in this house, earn all the money. And every now and then, we use some of our money to, to, to give money to you so that we let you, we give you gracious permission to use our money how you want, but you, you don't have any money. Well, what do, you, what do you mean, Dad? Like, I keep it in my room. Oh, quick clarification. You don't have a room. See, we have a house that we pay for with our money, and there's a room in our house that we let you sleep in for a little while. And when you're 18, you're out. That's it, man. 
That's, let me help you understand, like, let's just level set the reality here, okay? Now, here's my point. Bring it down to us, okay? The Bible says that we are God's children. God is our father. Everything in the world is his possession. So like, listen, man, you don't have stuff, money, or a house. It's all God's, and he lets you use what's his because he loves you, and so that you'll use his stuff his way to help the people he loves. In other words, he's going, here's all the blessings. Enjoy some for yourself, but you have a responsibility to use a portion of what I give to you to love the people that I love. That's what God's saying right here. Now, let me, let me just like, let's get into this real quick because here's what we tend to do. We kind of go like, oh, I do love the people that you love. I have big feelings for them. I'm a very compassionate person. You know, I get, you know, I get the warm fuzzies when I see the commercials with the kids in Africa, that kind of thing. So I, I, I do love them, okay? Well, check, verse 18 is for us, okay, for you. It says this, dear children, let us not love with words or speech. You say the yellow words out loud with me, but with actions and truth. That's right. Now, here's why he says that, okay? Let me just kind of go right in. Because we tend to give ourselves for actions and for feelings. That's what we, we go, hey, love equals, uh, or we tend to give ourselves credit for intentions and feelings. We tend to go, love equals the feels. I got the feels, that equals love. So you're 13, you look across the, the classroom at a girl, you get to the warm fuzzies, you're like, oh, I love her. And then like, you know, six months later, you saw Sandlot and Wendy Peppercorn, you were like, actually, I love her. You know, it's like you move real fast, okay? That ain't, that's not love. Or you'd be like awake at 2 a.m. You don't know what you do. You're, you're flipping channels. All of a sudden you see like the dog rescue commercial come on. There's the emotional song. You're seeing all the, you know, dog. you got a little single tear pops out 2 a.m. And you got to feel, you're like, oh man, I just, I care for the animals so much. I'm such a caring person for the animals, okay? But you know what actually happened? That dog you saw died and you felt totally fine the next day. That's what really happened, man. That, that, that's not love. So listen, what this is saying, put, put, look at this. It's saying, hey, if you, truth in action, if you truly love somebody, that's gonna result in actions. If you truly love people, that's gonna result in actions. Now, let me give an example because a lot of times we'll miss this. Ladies, you are gonna help me preach this part of the sermon. Okay, dudes, I'm gonna help you out right now. That's my goal. I'm gonna try to help you out, okay? So husbands, we're not always the sharpest tools in the shed. So <clears throat> some of you, let me tip you in on something. This may happen to you in your first five to 10 years of marriage, okay? That for some of you, there is an enormous gap between how much you think you love your wife and how loved your wife feels. Now, here's how you're gonna become aware of this gap, okay? Um, what you need, you just need to know this. Like, bro, I'm talking up to men, married dudes especially. You need to understand things are awesome for you. Like stuff's great for you. Your room gets clean more than twice a year. You, I, hear, I heard an amen over here. She gets it. Your room gets clean more than twice a year. Uh, you eat food that didn't come from a microwave. It's awesome. You have a magic floor in your bedroom. Do you know what that means? Here's what that means is you just toss your clothes on the floor in your bedroom and two days later, those clothes are magically clean and folded and back in your closet. It's magic. You got a magic floor in your bed. Stuff is awesome for you, okay? Now, here's what's gonna happen. She's gonna approach you at some point and she's gonna say, we need to talk. But watch this, it's a trap. When she says, we need to talk, she means she needs to talk, okay? That's what that means. So when she says, we need to talk, what that means is, I'm gonna give you a sermon. You're gonna take notes and I'm gonna give you the action items at the end and write them down. 
That's what, that's what that actually means. And here's what she's gonna say at the end of we need to talk. She's gonna say, I don't feel loved by you. Now, you're gonna wanna go, what? You know, are you kidding? I don't feel loved by you, but I love you so much. I get, I get excited when I see you hop out of the shower. You know, I, I get to, I get, you know, when I think about you, babe, I get the warm fuzzies. 26 years ago, I said, I do, babe, I still do. What's the problem? And she's gonna say something like this and a lady's gonna back me up here. She's gonna say, well, if you love me, why don't you grab a vacuum cleaner and change a diaper? Okay. Now, here's what she's saying. Look at this verse. She's saying, if you love me, let, 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 let's, let it result in actions. If you truly love me, let's see some actions. Love me in deed and truth. I'm a, okay, I wasn't gonna show this. Let me show you this. If you don't believe me that this is true, this is an actual screenshot of a real text message Jana sent me a few weeks ago. You made the bed so sexy. Okay, now this is what it, okay, can I just tell you this? That's on the line. I decided to go there anyway. I just wanna, I don't, let me let, sink this, sink, men, marriage is discovering things you had no idea were romantic are actually romantic. You know, what she's saying right there is you loved me indeed and action. You can take it down, it's distracting. Okay, I'll take it down. Okay. That, that's what it's saying. Now, let me show you this from James 2. Check this out. James says it this way. What good is it, brothers and sisters, if somebody claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, uh, keep warm and well-fed. In other words, oh man, I'm so sorry. Good vibes. Man, I'll, listen, man, I'm, I'm gonna pray for you. That's it. And that's it but does nothing about their physical needs, he says, well, what good is that? What good did your faith do them? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is what? It's dead. It's dead now, okay? Some of you are going, you, some of you theologians, you're going, whoa, I thought the Bible said we are saved by faith alone apart from works. He just said we're saved, our, our faith has got a result in works. Check this out. The Protestant reformer Martin Luther just said it like this. Christians are saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. In other words, check, check this out. We are saved by faith, not works, but saving faith works. The gospel is good news. It's good news for you. But what should happen is when you accept the gospel, it should be real good news for the people around you because your faith results in works. Having faith doesn't do anybody any good. It's applying the faith that makes the difference. Now, let me land a plane right here, all right? I'm gonna give you an example. Here's my example. I, I really need this to sink in. So before I was a senior pastor, I did student ministry for three years. It was awesome, but smelly, okay? Now, here's the deal. A bunch of middle schoolers in my, my student ministry. Actually, in my own house, I got a middle schooler. I own a middle schooler. I got my very own middle schooler now. Here's what I've discovered is that a lot of middle schoolers, uh, they need the gospel of deodorant. This is what I figured out. Now, here's my, here's my analogy, <laughs> okay? Now, especially if you're a middle school boy, uh, listen, I'm trying to help you out. That's what I'm trying to do, okay? So I'm working with middle schoolers. I'm at camp, and there is, a, there is, a, there is an aroma that accompanies middle school boys. It, it's, it's just there, okay? And here's all I wanna say. I wanna say something like, hey, bro, do you believe in deodorant? Yes, Pastor Josh, I believe in deodorant. Okay, second question. Do you have access to deodorant? Yes, I got access to deodorant. Have you ever used deodorant before? Absolutely, man. Do you know that deodorant smells good? Yes, Pastor Josh, I know it smells. I believe in deodorant. Okay, check this out. Your belief in deodorant doesn't do it. It is the application of deodorant. That's not only good for you, but everyone around you. 
You see that? Okay, James said, now there's applause. I didn't expect applause on that, okay? That's, that's a bunch of mommies. That's who that is. James said, faith without works is dead, okay? Faith in deodorant without the application of deodorant and you smell like something died. That's my analogy. That's the best I got, okay? Now, here's my point. If you'll just apply the faith you have in Jesus laying down his life for you, you will become someone who lays down your life for the last, the lost, the least, and the lonely. You will inevitably do that. I'm gonna give you some action steps. I'm gonna be real practical. Number one is I, just, I, just, you, you, I want you to pray. Here's my diagnostic question. If God answered every prayer you prayed in the last month, what would be different in the world? Man, for some of you, it'd be awesome. Like there'd be like national revival, awakening in our church, prodigal children coming home, people getting healed, needs being met, orphans being adopted. For some of you, like, man, really honestly, your food would have been really blessed. Man, you would have had amazing traveling mercies. I don't even know what that means. But for real, like, man, pray. God wants to meet needs and heal a broken world. Okay, number two, I'm, I'm just gonna challenge, challenge you at some point in your life to go. Okay, dirty little secret. If you've ever been on a mission trip, I want you to like help this room understand the reality of what I'm saying, man. Dirty little secret. You go on mission trips thinking you're gonna change the world and actually going to the world changes you. That, that's what actually ends up happening. You are never the same because you become face-to-face with the people that the Bible says God has a special affinity for. The last, the lost, the least, and the lonely. Can I give you an idea? Some of you need to do it every year. Some of you, it's just like at least one time in your life you need to go. Here's an idea for all the parents, okay? Especially parents of younger children. In most cultures, there is a rite of passage between childhood and adulthood. Suggestion. What if at the age of 13, every kid in your family, the rite of passage was, we're going on an international mission trip together so that you see the heart of God for the people he loves the most. Just a suggestion. Now here's the last one, okay? It's give. If anybody has the world's goods and closes his heart, how can the love of the Father be in him? You know, we're in this little season right now where between now and the end of the year, we're receiving our annual missions offering. And that's what we give above our regular giving at the end of the year. That is where the bulk of the funding for Lake Point's uh, missions efforts locally, nationally, and internationally go. Now, I'm only gonna talk about locally. We have more than 40 local partnerships in DFW that meet the needs of the last, the lost, the least, and the lonely. Uh, There are ministries like Poema, that rescues women victims out of human trafficking, crisis pregnancy centers that literally save lives and help women in their most vulnerable moments. And it's food pantries, distributing food to the the food insecure and ministries that absolutely explode my heart like the Trinity Restoration Ministries. My calling is to bring revitalization, the redemption story. The reality of coming out of prison is hard. If you could think back, you know, to 15, 20 years ago, how much things have changed. So we started TRM in 2004. Lake Point really came alongside us and helped us get into the apartment building that we're in now. 
The men that are in prison, they're there because they didn't really have the advantages that I did. They didn't have a mom and dad that made them go to church. They didn't have anybody that would really feed into them. Uh, so they really had an undisciplined life. What that looked like for Chico, he had, he had been in and out of prison several times and realized once he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior, he just wanted to, he wanted to serve the Lord. You know, I know that what was going to be critical for me was to have some men in my life that really, one, loved the Lord, and two, loved me. You know, I dreamed of being able to use my hands and just be, uh, just be useful. After meeting Dennis Gant and those guys at Trinity Restoration, he was telling me about all the things that were going on in South Dallas. I just, you know, I felt like that I could be an impact there. The way that Trinity does that, it's life-changing. If Chico hadn't have found Christ in prison, he would have likely just found his way back into the, through the prison system. And so he, he knew he had to make a life change. My calling is to bring revitalization, the redemption story. So I, I get to physically use my hands to be really the hands of Christ. We were able to go back into the community and do uh, renovations of bathrooms, build wheelchair ramps to see an apartment that used to be just full of drug dealers and just be full of hopelessness, to be able to go in there and to bring a light to that. When a man develops a skill like that, that he didn't have before, he may come out of prison wondering how on earth he's going to provide for himself. How, how is he gonna ever move on from Trinity Restoration Ministries? But once they, they go to work, they develop a skill set, they develop the confidence, the desire to, to be successful on their own. They wanna see you know, how far their skill can take them. So if Lake Point didn't support Trinity Restoration Ministries, uh, people like me wouldn't have a place to go. We wouldn't have a place to serve. Uh, we wouldn't have a place to be restored. We just wouldn't have a body uh, of believers that surrounded us if it wasn't for Lake Point Church. I've learned over the years, God does so many miraculous things. I want to be around when he does the next one. We get many letters from women thinking maybe we have a place and we just, you know, kind of make the decision, well, that's somebody else's ministry. Well, Chico came to me one day and he said, how long are we going to ignore the need for a women's ministry? I said, well, I think it sounds like we're ready, Chico. And he talked to his wife, Ashanti, and she was willing to do it. Uh, she has the skills and the patience to do it. Uh, we're calling it the whale we're going to be able to really make an, an impact in the lives of women. And you think about one woman and changing her life and what you can do for her, but what is the impact that she does to her family going forward from there? Her kids, her, uh, her mom, you know, everybody that that lady loves on. Now with partners like Cornerstone and, and Lake Point Church, uh, I think this is the next big thing God's gonna do. I, I think the sky's the limit in that area. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church slash digital.